Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Kay, and I'm joined today by my father. I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. Hello, my name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm an American double board certified psychiatrist. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to our last episode. This week, we want to talk about world... We want to talk about suicide because it's World Suicide Prevention Month. The month of September is dedicated to suicide awareness. And what a difference a year makes. There is new stats, new reports, um, just new information all about suicide and ways we can prevent it and who's mostly who's most affected by suicide. And so I want to ask my dad, what population, what patient population, male or female, is more likely to commit suicide? Well, the answer to that question is quite clear. Males, uh, almost by a margin of two to one, uh, commit suicide more frequently than females do. And why do you think that is? Because f- for me, I would like to think that that's because males are brought up from a young age that they're discouraged to express their feelings, express their emotions, express, you know, how when they're feeling bad, they're kind of told to toughen up and be a man and boys don't cry. Whereas girls, while it does happen, we're, girls are more, more likely to confide in a friend, a family member, someone in their community when they're just feeling down or if something comes up and they're emotional, they're, they're more likely to confide in uh, but what is the medical reason behind why males commit suicide more often than not? Well, I, I'm sure that there's some cultural issues in regards as to why males are, are more uh, prone to commit suicide. But as you know, females overwhelmingly have more suicidal thoughts and ideations, but males, particularly the elderly, are more serious when they... Uh, attempt suicide uh, so they're oftentimes more uh, uh, they, they will be more apt to complete suicide uh, if uh, if they intend to do so what's the percentage I'm wondering what the percentage is in people who commit suicide while intoxicated versus while sober well we do know that substance use disorders increase the likelihood of suicide. We've, we've spoken about that. Drugs have both a, a disinhibiting uh, and depressogenic effect. So uh, they're, they increase the risk factors for suicide. So they definitely be a, play a big part. Uh, as you know, it was recently reported by the National Institute of Drug Abuse and, and Dr. Nora Volkov's blog that suicides were up in 2020. It, uh, we sort of had suspected that they would be up because of the pandemic, but I don't think anybody could have predicted that they would have gone up by 30%, which is the worst stat in, in, in U.S. history. Uh, so up 93,000 people lost their 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 lives by drug overdoses, which is almost twice as as many that as that committed a suicide, and overdoses are also considered deaths of despair, as as it's termed by some. 
Uh, that also includes suicide and, and uh, alcohol use. Is an accidental overdose considered a suicide? It's not considered a suicide, but there are different uh, factors that contribute to that that include serious mental illness and depression um, and other uh, aspects of mental health that contribute to, to, to the increase in overdoses. So of that 30%, how much of that population was living in a rural area as compared to an urban area? Well, the trend for urban areas is for suicide rate to go down, but it is increasing in the rural areas. I'm not really sure what the what why that is, but those are what the what the are the data is reporting. However, in certain parts of the United States, particularly the northwest and the western part of the United States, so the suicide rates are at their highest for unknown reasons to me southern california has a very low rate of suicide so but again the western part of the united states and the northwest have the highest rates well i would imagine you know southern california it's the weather's always really nice it's always pretty sunny the one season we usually have year round is summer for the most part, we haven't had rain in that long, so I can see how rates could be lower in Southern California as opposed to the Pacific Northwest, where it's, you know, gloomy, um, overcast, that's the same thing as gloomy, overcast. Um, there's a, just a lot more darker days, and I, I can understand that. I know I've had a friend that went to college in the Pacific Northwest and ended up having to come home because the weather had such an effect on her that she couldn't focus in school. My follow-up question would you would be out of people out of the people that experience suicidal ideation, what percentage of that actually commits and follows through? Well, according to the Suicide Prevention Research Center, in the past year, there were almost 12 million adults that had serious thoughts of suicide. Of those 12 million, a total of about 50,000 actually committed suicide. Um, so about three and a half million made plans, suicidal plans. 1.4 million actually attempted suicide. And there, again, there were almost 50,000 suicide deaths, and this also included adults and youth. I mean, those are staggering numbers. It's also important to note that even among high schools, there's some staggering statistics that show that 25% of females had serious thoughts of uh, suicide, um, more so than, the, than their male counterparts. And almost four to five percent of uh or excuse me three percent of female high school students attempted suicide to the point where they required medical treatment as opposed to maybe one and a half percent of uh high school uh boys based off of the stats reported 
this previous year, what we know that it's males that more often lead to end up, you know, going through with suicide. Is it particularly older males, middle-aged, or younger males? Well, the highest risk group are those between the for, the ages of 45 to 64. So that is the the age range where that attempts suicide the most. The elderly pe- patients are the ones that are more, that complete uh, suicide because they use more lethal methods. Um, they have few attempts, but when they do try to commit suicide, they're usually successful because they usually use firearms to, to, to commit suicide. So let's talk about prevention and how one prevent part of prevention is having a whole month like such as September to for suicide prevention. But when it comes down to that patient population in particular, what can be done about an older 60 something man who has a firearm in his house and wants to kill himself realistically? Well, of course, it's always better to address issues that come on early. And it's important for for us to share the suicide hotline number, which is 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. What we do know is that when people reach out for help, they usually feel good about that. And I know that earlier, earlier uh, on, on one of our podcasts, we reported how people that were managing these the the suicide hotlines reported that they were told that uh, by the people that were calling that the vast majority said that the call really kept them from hurting themselves. So that was refreshing to know that suicide prevention lifeline does exactly do that. And so when people are in crisis, we we urge them to reach out for some help because the help is available. So first and foremost, that uh, is is what we need to advocate for people to reach out for help. And of course, other issues that contribute to suicide, such as substance use disorders, there's a lot that that can be done as a society. Uh, You know, Dr. Volkoff, uh, points out that as a society we've tried to criminalize uh, substance use disorders as opposed to treating them as what they are illnesses and it's true that uh, jailing people does not make the problem go away and you can almost say that it makes it worse because they don't get help in jail um, and she also points out that only of people that have opioid use disorders where there's medications that are uh, that can treat this disorder uh, it it, there's a you know over 80% of people that are eligible for treatment do not receive it so there's a lot of stigma there's a lot of barriers to care and she talks also about how we need to address the the risk factors the socioeconomic uh, despair, the poverty that leads our youth and our young people to get into drugs to begin with. 
So as a society, we need to uh, see how we can make things better for our for our citizens. We need to be able to address the mental health issues early and address the poverty, the unemployment, the things that lead them to drugs and, uh, and uh, to despair to begin with. So I think those are also issues that are important to talk about. Yeah, suicide, suicide attempts, suicide ideation is pretty much the tip of the iceberg in the larger conversation of the factors leading up to what drives a person to get to that point, to where they're thinking about it, to where they make plans about it, to where they actually go through with it. So how does mental illness play into suicide? And do you have to be mentally ill to commit suicide? Well, not everyone who commits suicide, who who takes their life, has been diagnosed with a, a, a mental illness. Though those that do have serious mental illness, particularly depression, uh, are at a higher risk to commit suicide. But even patients that suffer from schizophrenia carry the same rate of suicide that patients that have uh, a major depressive disorder. And the rates for uh, patients that suffer from bipolar disorder are equal, are almost equally as high. So not everyone that takes their life suffers from a mental disorder, but if, if those that do suffer from mental disorders are at higher risk, especially those that also have comorbid substance use disorders. So... Um, substance abuse, mental illness are risk factors for attempting and completing and and, 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 and taking a, and having a person take their life. Are there particular substances outside of, let's say, alcohol that might influence a user to commit suicide because of the side effects? Yes, definitely. Uh, the the substance that appears to increase uh, the risk of suicide tremendously are opioids. They can increase the the risk of suicide five to six fold. It's a serious risk factor. Uh, those that are misusing uh, or overusing opioids put themselves at a tremendously higher risk of suicide. And as Dr. Volkov has says, the, the overdoses in this country, the, the stats are horrifying. And which population is more likely to use opioids? Because I feel like that also plays a factor. I think that white males are are, are a, particular, a particularly high risk group, though um, we have to also point out that the highest racial uh, groups that or ethnic groups that suffer from suicide are Native Alaskans, Native Americans, uh, whites overall, particularly males, and in the lower end of the spectrum are Blacks, Hispanic, and Asians. So do you more often than not treat patients that if someone attempts suicide, do they end up in your unit and how do you go about treating them? Definitely, that's one of the criteria for patients to come into a psychiatric unit is suicide as is homicide uh, and other co conditions, but suicide is probably the the most common reason for treating somebody in an, in an inpatient psychiatric unit. And the treatment is based on what the 
what the diagnosis is, what the cause is. Uh, it can, if it's from uh, substance use, then that's what primarily gets addressed. But if it's a major depressive disorder or bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, those are the conditions that are treated first. And hopefully, uh, as those conditions improve, the suicidality goes away. I know there might not be a way to really truly predict this, but what do you see as the trend for this coming year? Do you see suicide rates continuing to rise or are we hoping that because I mean, 30 percent uh, increase is almost half. And that's pretty staggering considering that majority of Americans were home for so long during the pandemic. I think it's going to be difficult to predict. We hope that it's a lot less, though there isn't anything that's being done to to change that. Uh, as you know, the the pandemic is still ongoing. Hopefully, it won't be another year till it's more under control. But as of now, there isn't any reason to see that things are going to be any different, unfortunately. So when we're talking about suicide prevention, we're talking about affordable housing, job security, access to food and nutritious food and a lot more other factors than just talk to someone and while that is very important and you should always reach out to people in crisis it's also important like you had mentioned earlier that we talk about very fundamental human living conditions that if not met can drive someone to suicide and we want to just advocate to those that are thinking about it to reach out to your healthcare givers, reach out to the suicide prevention hotline. Help is available. Uh, you don't despair. Reach out. Help is available. And uh, while things at times seem hopeless, uh, the reality is that there's always hope and suicide should be prevented. There is help available. So we, we really want to emphasize for those that need the help to reach out for it because it'll be made available. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed. We hope you can pull some resources from this episode. I will link the phone number in the, in the podcast description. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have a great week wherever you are.